With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Welcome to the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Call Jiggy right now, 267-22-Jiggy, presenting Jiggy Jaguar. Welcome to our big broadcast, coast-to-coast and border-to-border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and our brand new Jiggy Jaguar app available in the App Store, JiggyJaguar.us. You can stream the show live, 24-7 replay, because of news and programming information, all available on our fantastic, fantastic app. I can send text notifications finally uh, from our app. We, we we had experimented with that early in the year, and uh, I have been wanting to send those out because we have a lot of people who are downloading the app, and I want to be able to use the damn text notifications. And we haven't been able to. <laughs> I just haven't been able to. I uh, I tried. It didn't work. So... We are going back to the drawing board. I got a hold of the guy who uh, built our app, and I spent a lot of damn money with. And uh, he's like, here, here, here you go. <laughs> jump in there. Jump off on a good foot. Do the bad thing. So we are doing that. Uh, in this edition of our big broadcast, we've got several, several interviews. And uh, as always, uh, we are going to also do a, uh, a special look back at uh, some of our different interviews that we've done uh, over the last several months, and uh, we are going to start with Richard Kurtz from Strategies PR. He, of course, uh, joins us each and every week on our broadcast. And uh, we did a deal a couple weeks ago where I basically had um, all sorts of issues. <laughs> we had all sorts of problems. And... Um, we missed out on Rich, so here's this. Welcome to the world's famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Call Jiggy right now. 267-22-Jiggy. Presenting Jiggy Jaguar. Oh, we're having all sorts of fun today here on the World Famous Jiggy Jaguar Radio Program. Coast to coast to border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and the brand new Jiggy Jaguar app available in the App Store. JiggyJaguar.us, you can stream the show live 24-7 replay, exclusive news and programming information all available on our fantastic app. And we have our last month's um, television broadcast uh, live from Salina up on our website at JiggyJaguar.com. It was quite the tussle. And uh, tonight we're going to do another one. <laughs> and tonight will be quite the tussle. We've got uh, Richard Kurtz from Strategies PR joining us here on the telephone. And uh, Rich, there is a heck of a lot going on. And I wish I had a 
broadcast computer so I could get to it. But <laughs> I've just got you, my production computer, and we're going. So how are you, sir? I am well, and, and hey, what else do you need? Well, see, that's the thing. What else do you need? It's a, uh, it's a heck of a day. Richard Curtis of Tragedies PR joins us here on our broadcast. And, uh, uh, Rich, I, I, I was talking with, um, we were just taping before you, before we got on the air with you. We were taping, um, our iHeartRadio, uh, Sunday show that we do each and every week. And I had on a guest by the name of Trevor Loudon, who, uh, He's one of these British conservative guys. There's like two of them that seem to just make their way around all the talk radio shows. And he was trying to tell me, (laughs) which I find absolutely amazing that he was able to put this together. But he was trying to tell me that that the protest, the Indians at the Dakota Access Pipeline protest are all communist and socialists and that was a giant protest for communism i thought it was them protesting not having an oil company screw up the water supply <laughs> well what when did it become socialism and communism out there in north dakota well it it, it, it is basically um anti-capitalism um, well yeah that's kind of what i thought it was but Yeah. It's um, it's a tempest and a teapot just to disrupt things. And in case you hadn't noticed, there's a lot of little things going on that are just looking to disrupt things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and mo- mo- most of them seem to be coming from the uh, from the the depths of the lack of wisdom of the Democratic Party. But hey, you know what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> now, um. It seems to me that it's business as usual out there with the uh, with the Democrats. What do you make of this whole thing? Because uh, they reelected Nancy Pelosi. Uh, she turned around and, and told everybody that the reason she got reelected is because people want the status quo. <laughs> really? Really? trifecta of a mess on your hands. Yes. And, and, that's, and, and that's what you have here. You have, you have hypocrisy. You have the rug yanked out from under you. Yes. And you have um, really, really, uh, I will use the word progressive out oh, far and away from, from the abuse of the word, but you have a really progressive presidency taking place um, in spite of them and this is um, this is um, this is disruptive to their karma you know they're just not dealing with it uh, you know the, the first thing out of Hillary's mouth was how awful it was that Trump said he wasn't sure he'd stand by the election unless it was you know modified and this and that yeah oh Hillary's not standing by it and 
you know, and she's 26 votes less for having spent $7 million of people's money. <laughs> That's what I find so strange about this. Well... Is... <laughs> this whole thing has just become such a circus. And now we have these electors. There's the there's a rumor that some of these people are not going to vote for Trump. And they're like, oh, we're going to vote for John Kasich. Yeah, of course they are. Maybe they'll vote for uh, Abraham Lincoln. Look, you know, the arithmetic is interesting here uh, that nobody pays attention to. We essentially have... America is not just electoral votes and individual votes and population centers. America is the better part of four million square miles and lots and lots and lots of millions of dollars that are put together by people who go to work every day. And most of those people that go to work every day are scattered over those 3.7 million square miles. They're not located in the six counties that functionally voted for Hillary Clinton. That's where the million and a half um, popular votes that exceed Donald Trump's popular votes came from. They came from four counties in New York City and a couple of population centers in Chicago and, and of course, Los Angeles. Um, when you do the math on that and you look, you've got 3,141 counties in this country. And Trump won 3,084 of them. So you've got a consensus in this country that says geographically and operationally, and if you do the arithmetic, I mean, I would bet financially, based on the amount of income tax paid per capita around the country, the people who write the checks elected Trump president. Yes. The people who go to work elected Trump president. The people who weren't on just the public payroll or, or, or somehow connected to the gravy train or weren't dogmatically tied to the Democratic Party elected Trump president. And, and if you really go back, I firmly believe this, if you go back and go down through all of those votes, you're going to pick a million votes of people who are dead or shouldn't be voting or from <laughs> Bolivia or were invented. You're going to find that. They were invented. That's awesome. Uh, and and <laughs> and it, it, it's going to take the wind out of that sail. It is Richard but, Kurz, Strategies PR. He's with us today here on our big broadcast. And uh, this whole thing with this recount... I just really don't understand what the hell is going on there. What What is Jill Stein trying you, to you, accomplish? Did you not Did you not hear me and lots of other people before when, when they said, if you follow the trail of the money, you shall find the truth? Uh, yes, yes. Okay, so uh, Jill Stein has um, no hope of getting elected uh, in any national office. Uh, thank God for small favors. <laughs> he does have the capacity to take an issue and the angry people who she flares up with this issue and say, well, 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 well we've got to go and check. We have to go and make sure this is right. We and raise $7 million, okay, to do this. Don't take the $7 million and feed anybody. 
don't take the seven million dollars and go fix some environmental issue that we have. Yeah. God, you know, God forbid you throw it into the pot to help eliminate the bad water that the Democrats enabled in Flint, Michigan. Yes. You know, let's not do that. Let's go and let's count all the ballot boxes. Uh, because, hey, it's only the third time the Democrats did this. <laughs> uh, to the best of my knowledge, the Republicans have never done it. No. Including Richard Nixon in 1960, who, if he would have done it, he would have had the presidency back then. But he said it was not good for the country. Nixon was anything but a perfect president, but I think he stood up for the country when he decided to sidestep the presidency there. Uh, so you've got you got a situation where she can get up money, and she doesn't have to give this money back. It's sitting in some sort of some sort of fund where I'm sure she can get it, and she can do things with it, and it'll pay her way to run around and do things because because you know she's got no other life. What else is she gonna do? Except well, that too. Down and yell that about too. Things. And even the Green Party have said we want nothing to do with this. Get out. <laughs> she's not doing them any, like any good at this point in time. You know, at this point in time, you know, it, it, everybody's taking green out of their out of their uh, coloring box because they're they're tying it to Joel Stein. So her uh, her 15 minutes in the sunshine, um, it's kind of done. About uh, 14 minutes and 57 seconds. It is Richard Kerr, Strategies PR. He joins us today here on our big broadcast, and uh, we are. Uh, are trying to uh, to to jumpstart restart our broadcast computer here. Uh, you will probably hear this. Uh, well, you'll 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 have to hear this on a, on our podcast later because we don't have the ability to go live right now. But uh, Richard is with us today here on our big program. Now, um, Rich, uh, another another issue that is that is coming up is. Uh, the president, uh, President-elect Trump, has done a heck of a lot with very little, and he's not even in the office yet. Uh, what do you make of some of these folks who are reaching out to him that are like, hey, we want to bring jobs back, we want to do this, we want to do that? Um, what do you make of all this? Because I think this is just astounding. I know the libs no. hate it, but I think it's astounding. Of course they hate it. I mean, I saw a thing today that they were ranting because Walmart's going to go open up a store in Mexico. Well, I think that's good. I think it's consistent. Because we're going to be selling American products through this Walmart in Mexico. They're going to be hiring mostly Mexicans. They're not manufacturing in Mexico and selling stuff here. So they're going to be doing things that help prevent the incentive for the flow of people to the border. And we're going to be selling stuff from the U.S. and helping our balance trade. Uh, and, and Walmart, which is an American company, is going to be making more money. I'm not having a problem with any of this. Uh, on the other hand, when you talk about um, keeping jobs, well, there were, you know, 1,500 or however many jobs it was that went away, and he only saved 1,000 of them. Oh, I'm sorry. He saved that. How many did Obama save again? I'm sorry, <laughs> that. That's um, right. That's right. And he's still getting paid to do this, right? He's still getting paid to do this, and he's busy complaining about what Trump is doing instead of doing his job. But then again, he hasn't done his job in eight years. Why should he pick up the slack now? Well, that too. It um, is. But, but, it is an interesting uh, segment here today with Richard Curtis of Strategies PR. We've got a. Uh, 
Another guest coming up here in a few moments. I appreciate you, Rich, for being with us. And uh, before we let you go, I know you're working on that book. When, when, when is that supposed to be out? <laughs> if, uh, if I ever, ever actually pay attention to it, I'll get this one done by the first of the year and then get the other two out in the next two months. But uh, uh, this one is just, uh, you know, there's so much to that that people don't understand. When you're when you're trying to tell a story, you need to tell it right. And uh, you go back and you, and you edit. There are no great writers. There are only great rewriters. That's and, right. Uh, so it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's check coming. out strategiespr.com, also La Jolla Writers Conference as well. And, uh, Rich, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. I appreciate it. All right, be well, and, um, you know, pay your electric bill. Maybe that'll fix it. Definitely, definitely. We will do that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Rich. Rich Kurtz, Strategies PR. And uh, we're going to take a brief break. And when we come back on our fun, fun little adventure here in technology, (sighs) the world is against us. We've got more coming up. Did you know that some ants keep livestock just like farmers? This is the Creation Moments Minute. Honeydew is one of the favorite foods of ants. Many species of ants will milk aphids and other insects who consume so much honeydew that they cannot digest it all, just like a farmer obtains milk from a cow. The ants do this by stroking the honeydew-collecting insect's abdomen with its antenna. The insect even slows its secretion of excess honeydew so the ants can eat it. The ants construct clay pens and shelters in which they enclose certain species of aphids, just as a farmer keeps his herd. Like the farmer, the ants move the aphids to better honeydew feeding sites when necessary. They also care for the aphid eggs during the winter. Such complex relationships between creatures points to a God who is both creator and teacher, even to insects. For Creation Moments Minute, I'm Darren Marlar. Thank you. Call is now being recorded. Hello, James. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good, actually. Where do we start? Um, I want to talk about uh, some gift ideas that help guys with their uh, grooming routine. You want me to jump right into it? Yes, indeed. Let's talk about it. All right. So, uh, you know, that's, that, that's the routine that, that follows guys' entire lives. So it, um, it, it's something that you can really uh, upgrade. So you're not using just cheap disposable razors and stuff that you don't really care about. So the first thing that I want to talk about is, um, a product from the Artist Shaving that is their uh, shaving cream. So it's not like other shaving creams that have uh, certain chemicals in them that, that, you know, make them get really, really foamy but also can dehydrate your skin. Uh, the, the Artist Shaving Shaving Cream is made with essential oils and it's made with coconut oil, and it's really designed to hydrate your skin so that especially right now when uh, we have that sort of cold, dry weather and you have a lot of indoor heat, um, this is going to help keep your skin uh, uh, healthy and, and just feeling more comfortable. So um, they've got the uh, the peppermint or the shaving cream is in peppermint right now for the holidays. That's a great gift, $27. Also a peppermint body soap too that can go along with that too. So great great gifts ideas there. And um, you want a good razor. A guy wants to have a good razor. So the uh, Art of Shaving also has a line of razors called Morris Park razors that are designed after um, vintage race cars. So 
They have a nice glossy finish and hits of chrome, and they've got a really nice substantial weight in the hand. Uh, really a nice thing to, to shave with every day. Um, because they've been around for 20 years, the Artist Shaving has now decided to release a line of fragrances, too. So they have five fragrances that are really, really classic uh, men, men fragrances. So they have sandalwood and cypress, coriander and cardamom, things like that. Um, another great gift idea. Those are about $100 each. And they have uh, also, I think, something that um, is really nice, that once a guy starts getting a good razor uh, and a good shaving kit, um, uh, there are these, you can buy shaving stands. You might have seen these in like a, a vintage barber shop or something, where it's a, a stand that holds the razor and it will hold a shaving brush, um, which will help you get a nice foamy lather for your shaving cream. Um, and those are, uh, you know, th these, are, these are really high quality shaving kits that are designed to be used you know, for, for a man's entire life. So these are uh, not anything like the cheap uh, disposal razors. So these are anything from $150 to $800, fully customizable. You can decide how sort of intricate you want to get with that shaving kit. And then, uh, then last, if uh, you're interested in getting a, a good shaving gift but you're not exactly sure what to get, uh, a travel kit is a good way to go. So the Artist Shaving sells kits that have the shaving cream and the aftershave and a razor and a brush. Um, all in sort of smaller sizes, and those can go anywhere from 60 to $100, and it's a great way to give a guy a selection of everything. So another great gift idea. All of these uh, ideas, though, that I've mentioned um, not only look beautiful and, and kind of upgrade that morning shaving ritual to something that a guy can look forward to and doesn't feel like a chore, um, but they also improve the health of your skin, so that's really important, too, and I think that that's a, uh, a gift that any guy would appreciate. Well, fantastic. Where can we go for more information on all the great products? Uh, for more information on all of these, you can head over to the website, theartofshaving.com. Fantastic. Have yourself a wonderful morning. All right. You too. Thanks. It's a minute report for America. During the Obama administration, seniors have been subjected to an unprecedented lack of cost-of-living Social Security increases. Since regular cost-of-living increases began in 1975, there has never been a period when such adjustments were lower than they have been under President Obama's presidency. Not once had there been a year in which there was no increase at all. Since 2009, two consecutive years provided no adjustments, and there was also no adjustment in 2015. Before 2009, the average annual increase was 4.4%. During the Obama presidency, it's been only 1.7%. It's not just Social Security problems that are affecting America's seniors. Medicare has taken a hit, too, and the problem has been accelerated and worsened due to Obamacare. Our seniors have suffered as never before. I'm Frank Fernuccio. Read more at usagovpolicy.com. call is now being recorded. We're going to get back to it here on our world-famous Cheeky Check Live radio program, coast-to-coast, border-to-border, right now. Hi, James. Doctor, how are you this morning? I'm well. How are you? Pretty good, actually. So where do we start? So we're starting with um, wet skin moisturizers. The first of which is Terrell. So why are wet skin moisturizers important during the winter season? So during the winter season, I'm always telling my patients that it's very important to pack your skin with moisture. Once the temperature starts to drop, that dry, cold air is just leaching the moisture from our skin. Um, so with the Corel Hydrotherapy line, it's water activated. 
So this is applied to freshly showered skin. So you turn off the water, you apply the moisturizer, and then you wipe off the excess. So you're left with gorgeous, well-moisturized skin that's not tacky, it's not greasy, it's not ruining your clothes. And this one in particular is packed full of ceramides. So ceramides are the building blocks of the skin. They really help to optimize how you hold and how you create moisture. So this is great for dry skin. It's great for patients that are eczema prone. And it can be found throughout the country for just $11. Fantastic. What else do you have for this morning? <laughs> so the second is another wet skin moisturizer. So I'm sure you're gathering that this is really the cutting edge technology for moisturizers this winter season. And the next two are both by Jurgen. So the first um, is an oil-infused moisturizer. It has a little bit of argon oil. So argon oil is great because it has some vitamin E, which nourishes the skin. It has fatty acids, which really helps to lock in moisture. And studies show for this particular moisturizer that after one, after a single application, you see four times healthier skin. Um, there's a second in this line. Um, for those of us who've been fans of Jergens forever, we all know the iconic Jergens fragrance. Um, and that scent is their original cherry almond essence. And so this one contains that fragrance. So for someone who likes to have well-moisturized skin, but also have that nice, pleasant scent as a pick-me-up in the morning that lasts throughout the entire day, this one is fantastic for that. And both of these can be found at retailers throughout the country for about $7. In addition to having well-moisturized skin, we also want to have beautiful hair. But again, we don't want to spend a lot of time in the shower because that really damages our skin in the winter. For this reason, I really love the John Frieda hair care line. So John Frieda has created products which are in-shower products which really change the hair color game. They allow you to instantly lighten or darken the hair by about a shade in just a few minutes. Um, so for our blondes, we have a line called the Sheer Blonde and a product called Go Blonder. So you apply it to the hair, you wash it off, in five minutes you have brighter, more luminous hair. For our brunettes, we have the Brilliant Brunette line. Um, which they have two products, the Visibly Brighter, which you apply to the hair, again, lighter, more luminous hair in about five minutes, and the Visibly Deeper, which you apply five minutes, deeper, richer color. Um, so you use all of these before you shampoo, and they can be found for about $10 throughout the country. So it's a great way to take care of your skin, make sure that your hair is gorgeous in less than 10 minutes in the morning. Amazing. Where, where do we go for more information? So you can learn about all these products. You can go to my website, which is drmichellehenry.com, um, and I will, I'm blogging about the products. You're going to see about how to use the products and where to find them throughout the country. Fantastic. Have yourself a happy holiday and a wonderful morning. Thank you. You too. This is Chris Markowski, your watchdog on Wall Street, and this is your watchdog on Wall Street Money Minute. Was that uh, 19, yeah, it was, it was late 19, yeah, late 1980s, early 1990s, soul to soul, keep on moving. I'm going to change it to keep on printing, don't stop. Yeah, um, borrowing costs going down to absolutely ridiculous lows. People actually paying, paying for the privilege to buy Swiss debt. Negative interest rates on Swiss debt, not to mention the fact that the Mexican government is now about to issue a uh, euro-denominated piece of debt that they won't have to pay back for 100 years. Um, wow. Wimpy is alive today. Wimpy from Popeye. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. I'll gladly pay you 100 years from now for, I don't know, ridiculous spending today.
Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Call is now being recorded. We are back here on the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Also, uh, download our additional podcast over there at jagshow.com. That's jagshow.com. And today we have a very, very interesting guest. Uh, it is a uh, professional wrestling bodybuilding and strongman. Mr. John Anderson is on the telephone. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing, brother? It's great to be here. Pretty, I appreciate pretty good, it. actually. Let's have, some, let's have some fun, huh? Well, uh, first of all, uh, how I got wind of you was two or three years ago, I, uh, I, I had become, I've been a fan of Lucha Libre wrestling forever, and I turned on, uh, I think it was Televisa or Galavision one day, and watching CMLL, and, it, you know, you have all the different guys on there, Shocker and Ultimo Guerrero, guys like that, and then this huge mountain of a man came on screen, <laughs> and that was you, and I'm like, who in the hell is this guy? And so I started trying to figure out all I could, because I'm like, you look like the kind of guy that would be in WWE. You look like a guy who Vince McMahon would get an erection for. You are, <laughs> you are the perfect the perfect body type for him. So I'm I'm doing all this research and I and I found out well you did some stuff in Japan, various things, and then I turned on uh, Netflix a couple weeks ago and I and and I found uh, this documentary that you did. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you were involved in this this Lucha this Lucha Libre documentary, and I was fascinated by this. And then I started doing more research on you, and I'm like, I gotta have this guy on the radio show. So, so <laughs> like, uh, like a stalker, or as they call it, journalism. I uh, <laughs> I, I tried to hunt you down, and we've got you on the show now. So. First of all, um, did you start doing strongman before you got into professional wrestling, or was it the other way around? Take me through this journey here. Okay, holy smokes! Well, let's let's go back all the way to the beginning, so it all it all makes sense. So when okay. I was just a little squirt, I was just a little guy, maybe uh, maybe seven, eight years old tops. I I could I say that I was not by any means genetically blessed. By any means, but okay. I was very blessed. I was very blessed in the regards that I knew at that young age exactly what I wanted. And that was to be this big, strong. Are we are we rated R PG here? Just so I don't. Oh, you start can you can stuff. go you can go however you want. The people <laughs> okay. that the people that don't the people that the, the stations that don't want to don't want to hear it. They'll dump out. They'll come back later. Uh, <laughs> you you have all the freedom so, in the world to say whatever you want, brother. Well, I wanted to be just this big, strong, nasty motherfucker, just this massive of a man because I was so – I was – I mean, literally the first time that I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'd never seen anything like that before, and I was just – I mean, it, it moved something inside me. I can't even really describe yeah. it. was like I knew at that point that that's, that's – my, my purpose was this, and the, the problem was that I was a little – you know, a little, a little son of a bitch. You know, that was had a, you know, I had a huge, 
uh, learning disability. You know, back in those days, yeah. I didn't really know much about it. You just knew I, I was really, really slow. <laughs> and so, yeah. so I had a huge learning disability, and, of course, I got picked on, you know, a little bit here and there. And then, of course, then that turned into, you know, fight, you know basically comforting myself with cookies and ice cream. And now you now you take this little fat son of a bitch that can't read worth a shit out loud and gets ridiculed by everybody in the school, and I'm I'm basically I'm looking to find I know what I want I know I want to do these great things but I'm looking for greatness in the bottom of an ice cream container, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. <laughs> so basically, I was just I was the little engine who couldn't, and then long and short of it, I just little by little. Uh, you know, that fire that was burning inside me finally finally hit me hard enough to where I realized that if I worked my ass off, I started to see some results. And then once I started to see the results from my hard work, the whole thing just took off. So I basically found real quick that I was better at lifting weights than I was in the sports I was playing, you know, in, in you know, junior high and high school. And uh, so I basically just trained my ass off all the way through college. I played rugby. I checked into college at about 185. Came out of yeah. college at 260. So you can see that was a huge, huge portion of, of reaching my goal was getting big and strong through college. To be honest, I didn't go to college to learn. I went to college because it was a way for me to keep training and, you know, keep training and chase girls. <laughs> you know, my yeah. mom, my well, and to go to college, so she said she paid for when, it, and I knew I'd have a lot more time going to college to to do what I wanted to do, like train, than I've had a job. So off I went, you know. So I finished up with college, and at this point, you know, like I said, I'm 260, but I'm yeah. like so much stronger than I look. But it, I mean, I really didn't have a gauge of that. You know, I didn't really know. And so as I start to get out in the real world. I start to realize, holy shit, you know, the things that I can do are far greater than the other guys that are my size. And so one of my yeah. one of my best friends said, dude, you got to try one of these strongman competitions we've been watching on TV for all these years. And I was like, fuck, man, okay, I'll give it a try. So basically I went to my first contest. I won. Um, the, the, basically I was kind of discovered at that first contest. That was New Mexico's strongest man. I was discovered by a gentleman named Willie Wessels, who was the president of the Amateur Federation, which is a feeder to the Professional Federation, which is the International Federation of Strength Athletes. He said, dude, you got all the potential. He said, come to this next contest. If you win this, you get your pro card, and then you can start competing for money and get sponsors and all this shit. So, of course, that's exactly what I did. So, <laughs> my strong my strongman career was just went from – I went from a virtual unknown to being on Team USA in about probably about 16 to 17 months. And uh, then, I mean, literally at that point, I mean, all in that short period of time, I literally live in my dream. I mean, I'm getting paid to travel all over the world. I'm getting, you know, they're paying all my expenses. They're paying me money just to appear. I'm winning prize money. I'm getting sponsors. It was literally yeah. my dream. <clears throat> so seven years deep into that, uh, had a back surgery, and my agent at the time says, "Well, dude, you're you know you're old enough now. You know if you want to continue, you know, as an athlete, we're going to have to change gears. You're 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 not going to recover from that." They told the surgeon told me that if I continued strongman, 
I would just end up being back in there nine months later because I had ruptured a disc. And the, and the one above it was was bulged severely. He said the one above was going to rupture at any point if I continued to do what I was doing. So my agent said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to – and keep in mind, I'm being honest with the story now, but for a long time I kept this completely hidden because what I'm going to say next is frowned upon in the wrestling business. <laughs> so, yeah. Basically, my agent put together a, a basically a fake resume that said that I had been wrestling <laughs> in the Indies for a, that said I'd been wrestling in the Indies for a long time, which I had not been. So I went to a place called APW uh, out here in California to get. I took a I took three months of private lessons, you know, real intense to try to learn. You know, learn. You, it's you got to learn to craft. You got to learn to dance. Oh you yeah, you had to, you had to learn how to take a bump. You had it to do art. You had to do all I mean, that, and it's oh hard. yeah. And, and <laughs> I was, I was. Keep in mind, I wasn't a wrestling fan. I was just fan of big motherfuckers. Yes, some of them were wrestlers, but I wasn't really watching the match. I was just watching this big dude and how strong he was. I didn't care about yeah. wrestling itself. I just cared about the big motherfucker in the ring, you know. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. So basically, he he sends these he sends this uh, this fake resume out. At this point, I've learned through private lessons, and I've had probably a half a dozen indie matches, of course, which are in fucking high school gymnasiums. And at this point, I'm thinking to myself, Jesus Christ, I just you know, a year ago, I was in gear up competing in front of 25,000 people. Now I'm at a fucking high school gym doing a wrestling match for 60 people, and I got more teeth than everybody in the front row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, so long and sure of it, I'm, I've only wrestled. The, one, the wonderful world of indie wrestling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I've been in the wrestling business now for basically six months through private training and those handful of matches and my agent gets a call back from uh, the IGF which is Antonio Noki's spinoff company when he left uh, New Japan. Yeah, my agent, calls, yeah. my agent calls me and goes, I did, you got a shot and he said, you fucked this up, you're done because the way that this, the way the wrestling business works, if, if they see that you're you're not worth a shit. The word will spread like wildfire, and this whole project is over. And so, basically, uh, you know, off I went. I went and had it was a mini tour. I just did three matches. But keep in mind, you know, Antonio Noki, he doesn't do anything small. So my first, my first ever, you know, basically real wrestling match where it was not an indie was a fucking pay per view in Japan. So, so, talk about being scared to death, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, I went out there, and obviously, let's be totally honest, the way I look is what got me the shot. They just wanted to see yeah. if I could be able to, you know. So, I got in there. I didn't have, obviously, I didn't have great matches, so I know what the fuck I was doing, but I didn't have a shitty match. And so, basically, they, 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 Called me back and said, "Yeah, let's let's do it." So they 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 uh, they contracted me. Keep in mind, the IGF at that point and still now they're not they're not touring like New Japan. So it wasn't wasn't like there was a lot of work. But then in the interim, I basically because I got exposure in Japan, I started getting calls from 
uh, like, uh, you know, Mexico, and I met Shocker from Mexico, and he said, dude, you got to come down and meet the boss. So I went down to the to uh, Mexico City, and I walked into Arena Mexico the first time, and shit, my pants, just 20,000 people seat Arena, and they wrestled there multiple nights a week. So basically, at that point, now I'm, I'm basically working for IGF and CMLL, and then, of course, um, because New Japan and Antonio Oak have a beef, New Japan sees me and says, well, let's go take him from IGF. So now, bam, now because of the, <laughs> now because of the you know, the, because of the dynamic of, of, you know, IGF and New Japan, I basically got contracted with the company that I was wanting to wrestle for in Japan. And so, I mean, so now to give you that time frame, from the time that I set foot in a ring the first time for my first private lesson to being with New Japan was, again, about a year and a half. <laughs> so, Son so of a again, bitch. <laughs> so, again, I am just on these fast-track, you know, these fast-track uh, career paths, which is killer because here's what happens. When you, you know, when you get there quick, you realize, holy shit, you're here, but now you got to figure out a way to fucking swim, and it's fast-moving current. The guys I'm in the ring with have been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing this for yeah. months, you know? So you get fucking really good really quick, or you lose your job, you know? So, of course, and, and I'll be totally honest, I, I, you know, I wrestled for them. I basically wrestled my wrestling career from the time I got a good job until the time that I finished with New Japan. I shouldn't say I finished when New Japan finished with me. <laughs> was, was about a, a seven-year period. So, you know, it was, a, I mean, it was just, it was amazing. It was a killer time in my life. And New Japan and CMLL have a working relationship. So it just fit together even better in terms of, you know, the way that my, my work schedule was because I was basically kind of booked between CMLL and New Japan all the time. So I was working nonstop. And so when I was in, going back to what you said about the movie, uh, uh, Lucha Mexico, I was down uh, in, in uh, Mexico doing my, you know, doing my tour before I head to Japan, and um, we're doing a press conference, and basically I'm, you know, I'm one of that's two or probably two or three people in the whole press conference that can speak English. So we finish, and there's these two, what I think are reporters, come up and, and talk to me, but in actuality they were the producers of Lucha Mexico. And uh, – yeah. Really cool people. So I met them and kind of inter. I, you know, they, you know, they were. They told me what they were doing, and I said, okay, I'll I'll do what I can to help you because I'm I'm a big connoisseur of of what goes around comes around. You know, if you put out bad shit, you're going to get bad shit. You help other people, people are going to help you. And so <clears throat> I did what I could to help them, and uh, they got a lot of access in CMLL, and they filmed that thing for oh my god, years. I mean, I think they had probably two years of filming before they started editing. And uh, obviously, you know, the interesting about my character in wrestling, you know, Strongman, I mean, that came from the, the whole thing was a carryover from my first career, career in Strongman. But that's my character is me. I'm not pretending to be anybody I'm not. This is, this, <laughs> it, I, I have the easiest job in the, in the world is my character because I wake up in my character every day, you know? So, so yeah. Uh, 
it was it was a great fit in terms of me being one of the primary characters in the movie, um, especially because you know I'm a foreigner moving in and out of these different markets, and uh, you know obviously I was you know probably that. I mean, I when I saw the film, I think it was a great depiction of me. It, it shows that you know I I bust my ass, I work hard for what I want, I take care of my family, and of course. That's one side of the film, and then, of course, the other side is all of the stuff, you know, deaths and all that kind of stuff. There has to be the good and the bad of every story, or it's boring as hell, you know. So, <laughs> so Well, anyway, you know, the, the, one, the one thing I love about, uh, especially the Americans that go down there to, uh, to Mexico and wrestle, they're built like brick shithouses, like you. You're, you're yeah. absolutely huge, and... Then there's these, and they don't they don't mention him in the uh, in the movie, and I don't know maybe you you've crossed paths with him at one point, but uh, one of the guys that I was always a big mark for was Ronda, because yeah guy yeah he was, was yeah, absolutely he, he, huge, and I mean the original, I don't mean the guy that Antonio Pena yeah, yeah. here's an outfit yeah. stick it on, <laughs> the, the, the the original guy. Um, I think at one point he ended up at CMLL, and they renamed him Granda XXX. Yeah, and you know, in the problem, you know what happened was, see, when when I came in, when I came to CMLL, like Ultimo Guerrero's, there, he's the 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 big, he's the big uh, heel or Rudo, as they call yes. it down there. Yeah. And so he was basically expecting me to be just like you know Granda, and I, and meaning that I couldn't go in the ring. But I mean, my training yeah. coming from Strongman. I mean, fuck, I got a gas tank for a big guy, you know. And so, Ultimo yeah. Guerrero, like the first time we were in the ring, I mean, at very first we didn't get along very well, so we were really going after the ring, you know. And he told me once we became buddies later, you know, that uh, you know he was trying to he was trying to wear me out so he could make me look like an asshole in the ring <laughs> because he said Gronda, because he said Granda, yeah. I had run out of gas on him a couple of times, right at the, you know, right in, right in his his high spot, and made him look like an asshole. You know what I mean? So he yeah, said he was really pleased when, you know, when when he, once he and I became buddies, once we got done beating the hell out of each other in the ring, uh, you know, he was he said he was very happy that he had, you know. That's a sampling of our interview with Strongman John Anderson. It is up on jagshow.com. Go check that out, jagshow.com, for more information. We are going to take a brief 60-second timeout and come back with Alan K. Patch. A.K. Patch is back with us. We'll be back. Ten things to know about the White House Christmas tree with Alan K. Patch in 60 seconds here on the world-famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Broadcast. It's a minute report for America. The past eight years have been devastating for America's senior citizens. Obamacare has weakened Medicare. Obama economic advisor Robert Reich says that if you're very old, we're not going to give you all that technology for the last couple of years of your life. It's too expensive. So we're going to let you die. Dr. Howard Dean, the former head of the Democrat National Committee, said in July 2013 that the so-called Independent Payment Advisory Board is essentially a health care rationing body. The travails of seniors don't end with health issues. Over the past eight years, seniors have received less in Social Security cost-of-living increases than at any time in memory.
the Federal Reserve has also piled on our seniors, keeping interest rates artificially low, robbing older Americans of the benefits of their savings. I'm Frank Fernuccio. Read more at usagovpolicy.com. It's now being recorded. Welcome back to our world-famous Chiggy Chaguar radio broadcast. Coast-to-coast, border-to-border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and of course, 50-plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. Alan K. Patch with us today here on our big program. And uh, Alan K. Patch, of course, is uh, got the incredible book, Passage at Delphi. And uh, he's with us today here on our broadcast. It's the holidays, and many of us celebrate with a decorated tree in our homes, our towns, the White House. The National Christmas Tree is a long-standing American tradition. When did it start? What else don't we know about it? And with us today to talk about the history and the White House Christmas Tree is historian Alan K. Patch, author of If the Apollo series of historic fantasy novels and the media series, patches of history and he's with us today here on the big broadcast and uh patch uh where and when exactly was this first tree and uh kind of tell us a little bit about this tree oh sure first of all great to be back with you on yes patches of history, Jiggy. i want to tell you 10 facts about the white house christmas tree we may not okay. be aware of but but 10 is the most amusing so here we go uh, the, the, the first is that, you know, there may have been er- earlier Christmas trees in the White House in the 1840s and the 1850s, but the first official Christmas tree in the White House was placed there in the Yellow Room by Benjamin Harrison in uh, 1889, his administration. And you have to think about this. You know, we, we see these pictures in the old days of Christmas trees with candles on them. Imagine uh, the fire hazard that that must pre- present. <laughs> you have buckets of water yes. by the tree. I mean, you better keep the house warm. You know, if your house is cold, I'm sure those buckets would freeze. You'd be trying to put it out with, uh, you know, a bucket full of uh, frozen ice. So, anyway, um, you know, back in those days, they uh, they had Christmas trees and they had candles on them. The first electric lights in the White House tree were in 1894, put in there by Grover Cleveland. Wow! Really? That is a electric uh, lights. You know what? What? A, what an innovation back in that time. Yes. And, um, you know, as we go along and move into um, the year 1909, the Taft children put the tree up in a different room. They put it in the blue room, and so now. Yeah, what was what was the uh, what was this blue room tree all about? Well, um, it's it's what, what it is is the tree used to be in the yellow room, but the Taft children changed it to the blue room, and so from now on, the White House Christmas tree is called the Blue Room Tree. Really, That's the actual title for it. Yeah. It's Alan K. Patch. He joins us today here in our broadcast, Coast to Coast and Border to Border. Patches of History it brings us insights into the past and present. His novels bring us adventurous escape into the past and present. And uh, Passage at Delphi is the first novel in a series exploring the confluence of the past, present, and future with ordinary people tossed into extraordinary situations. Delphi's chosen... Uh, continues the adventure but now the characters are volunteers rather than victims he invites readers along for the thrilling ride and explores the difference between heroism and celebrity in the context of past and present culture now um what was the first time that this tree was decorated with a theme tell us a little bit about this well um people a lot of people think it was jackie kennedy who began the tradition of the first lady decorating the tree what is really first lady lou henry hoover 
Okay. We set that custom in 1929. As we move on and get to Jackie Kennedy in 1962, she established the idea of decorating the tree with a theme. And so her first theme for the tree was the Nutcracker, which everybody loves to go see during the holidays. Yes. It is a... And, uh, uh, yes, go ahead, Patch, go ahead. Um, and the other thing is that, if, if you think about it, the, the White House is a big place, you know, and, and what, how big is this tree? Because there's, there's been times when there's been more than one tree in the White House. Um, now, the Blue Room tree is like 20 feet tall. And sometimes it'll be 18 to 18 and a half feet tall, but generally that is the, the tallest tree. But there's been times where there's been 20 to 30 trees in the White House, but there's only one official one, and that's the Blue Room tree. We've got Alan K. Patch with us today, Patches of History. He joins us live here on our radio broadcast, Red Nation Radio today. And Alan K. Patch, is uh, he was building his practice. Dr. Patch expanded his interest to Greek and Roman history. He provided fertile ground for his fiction writing. He is a board member of the Friends of Classics at San Diego State University. Check out akpatchauthor.com. That's akpatchauthor.com. Dot com. Now, uh, the White House is a very, very big place. How many of these trees were there, my friend? Well, um, there's only the, the one uh, large tree that's in the Blue Room, but there, as I said, there's you know, it's been times when there's been 20 to 30 trees. Now, this year's tree is, uh, you know, in, in all the trees since 1966 are donated by the National Christmas Tree Association. And so there's a, there's, there's a competition for the best tree. And so this year's tree is a 19-foot Douglas fir from Pennsylvania. And that was presented to First Lady Michelle Obama um, and, uh, by Vander Veldens, and he was the winner. And uh, so, you know, like I said, there's, there's, there's a competition for this. Yes. And so the champion growers, they win the privilege of presenting the tree to the White House. Isn't that great? <laughs> That's fantastic. Fantastic. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.